Well, hello and welcome to H2 Tech Talk, the podcast series from H2 Tech, the hydrogen technology journal from Gulf Energy Information. I'm Adrienne Bloom, Editor-in-Chief of H2 Tech and your host today for H2 Tech Talk. This week, we'll be talking with Josh Carmichael, Vice President of Hydrogen at Wood. So before we get started with our discussion, I'd like to remind you to share and subscribe to the H2 Tech Talk podcast for more expert discussions on technology and trends in the hydrogen sector. It's easy to do. Just click the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or Blueberry. So Josh, you bring a lot of experience in hydrogen to your appointment as Vice President of Hydrogen at Wood. Uh, For example, you helped develop a green hydrogen investment roadmap for the South Australian government when you were with Transdev. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that project and how you'll apply the experience you've gained from projects such as that one to your new role at Wood? Yeah, so um, thanks for having me. So yes, uh, in my uh, previous experiences, I've worked for both uh, governments in South Australia and and private uh, organizations such as Transdev and in the case of the government, we came up with a, a roadmap, which was very early days, the first that came out of any jurisdiction in Australia, and uh, very much looked at coupling the green renewable energy uh, generation that we had in the state with wind and solar and the export markets we had as a, a natural uh, mineral producer and uh, exporter of resources. Um, and, and collaboratively, together with the industry, we came up with a roadmap, which has since grown uh, into many different action plans and investments plans since and uh, had led to a number of projects being announced, awarded and and funded in the state of South Australia for for green hydrogen, which is uh, fantastic to to see and and led the way for Australia to to really get up to speed with those opportunities. And with regards to Transdev, um, that was a global role for public transport and buses. And there we were able to help actually based on some of the experiences we had in, in South Australia and Adelaide trying to get also fuel cell bus trials are uh, successful. Um, we were able to use the experience uh, that I gained there in, in Transdev to advise the Rotterdam government in helping them to deploy 20 fuel cell buses successfully this time uh, in the Rotterdam region as part of their ambitions that they have for green and blue hydrogen projects uh, going forward. Okay, interesting. So, um, you know, just kind of as a follow-up question, um, so what is the state of fuel cell transportation in um, in South Australia at, the, at this time, is it, uh, is it, you know, on a good path to development? I mean, what's, what are we talking about as far as fleet? I'm just curious. Yeah, so I think um, for me, for South Australia, uh, they tried, they went to market, and this was very early days back then, um, to go to market for fuel cell buses. And, and for a variety of reasons, the trial that was envisaged uh, didn't progress, but it led to the low emission vehicle strategy being enacted mm-hmm. and, and including then electric vehicles but it also helped stimulate a lot of the demand side for for fuel and which is propelling now some of these projects in that state. In the case of Rotterdam uh, for for Transdev, uh, the the trials were successful uh, with the funding and and is being currently constructed. And and actually quite a lot of lessons were learned, but one of the main things was in the Rotterdam example, they broke the project down from fuel generation to storage dispensing and the operations of the buses and, and by breaking it down, they went out to market for those different phases and mm. uh, first chose the buses, chose the site and the, and the contractor to be awarded and therefore had a successful project in this. Oh, okay, interesting. 
Um, so kind of looking at uh, what you're doing at Wood, um, you know, and obviously the, the business that you're developing there, what are the what are Wood's main goals for hydrogen development over the next five to 10 years? <clears throat> and then also looking at the longer term. So I would say, actually, I think five to 10 years is, is quite actually long term. I mean, hydrogen, you know, if we talk 2050 net zero emission targets, that's obviously very long term. Um, but between now and 2030, a lot of action needs to happen. And um, hydrogen is being seen by many as one of the actions that definitely needs to occur uh, for, for wood. Um, what do we see in the next five to 10 years? So we, we actually, for the last 60 years, have um, gained a lot of experience in hydrogen as a main holder of technology around SMR and also project development support through this technology and uh, delivering it through either engineering procurement or construction with our clients in the market. Uh, we think that based on that deep domain experience and expertise that we've gained, we can help in the next phase. And the next phase will be a lot of green hydrogen through electrolyzers and also blue hydrogen through gas networks, the existing infrastructure and assets that sit there. Um, and if you look at what we've already achieved, so uh, recently we announced in this year alone, the first half, we've managed to secure 30 hydrogen uh, projects, separate hybrid hydrogen projects worth around $600 million. Um, and uh, both actually across, uh, I don't like to use the colors, but green, blue, and mm -hmm. biohydrogen projects, um, a range of projects doing a range of uh, activities through the product lifecycle from pre-feed, delivery, um, and the things that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. So, you know, that kind of leads me to ask, um, looking at the different ways that you can produce lower carbon hydrogen, does wood see more, this is going to be a two-part question, does wood see more environmental advantage in, in applying carbon capture to existing SMR units uh, to make blue hydrogen um, or in investing in green hydrogen projects um, with, you know, powered by renewable energy to produce low emissions hydrogen. Um, and then also, you know, can you comment on the financial advantage of those two different pathways? Absolutely. So I think if you, well, if you look at the projects that we've been winning, um, actually they cover uh, all of those, uh, both blue and green. So, mm -hmm. for example, we're helping ADNOC in the, in the, in the Middle East with pre-feed work around blue ammonia, uh, the production of ammonia uh, from gas sources. But also, similarly, we're doing biofuel projects in South America, uh, for example, using uh, renewable diesel for, for jet fuel. And on the other hand, we've entered into some framework agreements with electrolyzers and other organizations through the value chain for green uh, hydrogen, and we have a number of projects in, in both offshore wind and, and solar looking at electrolyzers globally as well. So um, I think it, it both are required. And also, um, if you look at our membership, we joined the Hydrogen Council, which is a CEO-led mm -hmm. initiative, bring the companies together. A lot of the organizations span both green and blue. And I think it's really, it, it's really uh, depends on where you sit in the value chain and which region you're sitting in. Uh, in terms of policy, in terms of opportunities, and in terms of economics. So, for example, a lot of uh, regions that have already installed wind and solar resources that are being curtailed or held back from market participation or require storage, storage because of policies, hydrogen green will make a lot of sense made from electrolyzers. In other markets where there's an existing gas pipeline and, for example, or issues around 
Um, I look at the Netherlands in Groningen in the north, they had issues around extraction of gas causing earthquakes. Uh, in those cases, then using the gas pipelines for hydrogen gas, in this case blue, or green hydrogen from electrolyzer in a gas network as energy storage is, is also for them uh, very appropriate. Um, the economics will depend on how much you've already spent and how much needs to be spent going forward for mm -hmm. either electrolyzed or gas hydrogen um, for, for the different participants. Okay, interesting. So that gives me a good idea of kind of what you're what you're involved in worldwide. Now looking at, um, and this is especially timely because of um, the Tuesday release of the UK's hydrogen strategy where um, they're targeting, the UK is targeting five gigawatts of low carbon hydrogen production capacity by 2030. So I'm just curious about what is, um, what do you think of the hydrogen strategy and the trend in Woods home base of the UK? Um, you know, can you comment a little bit on, on what you foresee for hydrogen development in, you know, the company's uh, headquarters country? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, a number of regions have come out with uh, hydrogen plans, hydrogen strategies. Um, so Australia is one of them. Um, also the EU, the EU Commission, uh, Asian countries like Japan and Korea, mm -hmm. um, and they're different. So the Australian one is very much looking at export. Japan's looking at import and domestic consumption, uh, for example. So the uh, UK was interesting in, in their own. They were looking at both. They were looking at domestic consumption and also offshore generation. So they've already got a large installed base of offshore wind mm -hmm. and also have an, a large installed base of gas networks. Uh, so that's kind of both of those. And, and they came out with their 10-point plan, looking at a combination of those where you don't pick winners, but let the market forces basically dictate where the investments will go. Mm -hmm. So they've targeted both the offshore wind and also the onshore gas networks and, and wood is perfectly positioned to help clients in those, um, basically in, in either one of those scenarios with mm -hmm. their work that they require to be done. That's fantastic. All right. Interesting. And so um, just kind of looking at some of the other countries where wood is operating, um, where would you say are the most significant investments uh, being made or planned um, upcoming to be made in expanding hydrogen infrastructure and projects for, for low carbon hydrogen? Yeah, so good question. Um, I, I look at th this through a number of dis different lenses. So if I look at the amount of projects that have been announced, uh, or the amount of land available to make these projects work. Australia is a, a very good example of this. Uh, wind and solar for export markets has a clear strategy. There's funding behind it. Um, land uh, accessible, but also money. Then I look at the Middle East, for example. Um, a number of countries there have made significant investments, uh, commitments, but not yet projects up and running. And I guess Next to that, then you've got Europe who are on their own journey with both gas and green and, and transport, and now the UK and the US uh, as well with Biden's mm -hmm. announcements around his investment plan and, and hydrogen being a key to that um, as part of their energy transition. So they would be the different uh, markets where I think, and Wood is perfectly positioned in, in each of those to, to help the clients. Great. Okay. So, you know, as my last question, I'd like to pull back and look a little bit at the big picture. So with regard to net zero targets, do you view the challenges to achieving this type of goal as being primarily related to market and financials or to technology 
or simply to human effort? Um, that's a good question. So uh, <laughs> if, I, if I look at, I mean, if I look at the, the other report, the IPCC report that was announced or released recently, basically they were saying in any scenario by 2030, and that's why I say for us, you know, the next five to 10 years, 2030 mm -hmm. is already long-term. We have to do a lot of work mm -hmm. um, before we even get and start talking about 2050 net zero. Mm -hmm. If I look at the 2030 scenario and the things that need to happen, um, your question, market financials, technology or human, I relate this back to the, the battery project we did in, in my hometown of Adelaide, the 100 megawatt battery project. At that time, we were being told that batteries were too expensive. They couldn't do the functions required. Um, the technology wasn't up to date and it was going to be too difficult. The market regulation and policies weren't in place. And yet we actually developed the policies and regulation. We got the funding right where the commercial model of the operation of the battery wasn't affected by the ownership of the battery. And we were able to come together as private and public. And I think hydrogen can learn a lot from the battery industry uh, where it start, needs to start positioning itself and saying, what are we going to fix and what are we not going to fix in the mm -hmm. market? And how are we going to bring the public and private kind of investment, co-investment along with that? And I think people often assume that you need to spend money as government to enact investment to happen. And, and that's not always the case, or you need to own things to happen. Um, mm -hmm. There are smart ways that you can bring money and regulation together to get investment uh, from the private sector to make that. And the technology is already there. Yes, it needs to be evolved. The electrolyzer technology needs to be evolved, but we know how to handle gas. We know how to handle these things. We need to tweak it with hydrogen because there's different uh, characteristics, but there's companies like Wood who have been doing it for the last 60 years that can help clients. Uh, we already have the technologies. And so the technology is an issue. We just need to get the, the combination of commercial and technical right between public and, and private and mm -hmm. start getting the social license right because batteries have been accepted um, they're not perfect, but they've been accepted. I think it's time to get hydrogen accepted by society. So the social license avenue uh, as well. Mm -hmm. And so you think that it's um, with the technology, it's a matter of, um, tar you know, defining and targeting the most practical and ideal applications for hydrogen, figuring out where where can hydrogen best, um, you know, best decarbonize and what applications is that ideally suited for and then what applications is are other types of low carbon energy ideally suited for and you know as we all know it's going to take a mix of energies to get to net zero absolutely and i think if you look at any of the industries you know you're going to have this discussion so if you look at mining if you look at transport if you look at you know a whole range um, we can't just jump overnight. The same with cars. We didn't jump overnight to EVs. We, we first mm -hmm. went with hybrids. We went with, you know, lower contents of, of, of diesel and, and uh, super and things like this. So the same with hydrogen, we need to go through this transition um, and to focus really on what hydrogen is good at. And so mm -hmm. there are industries that are really hard to electrify and hard to abate from CO2, steel, cement. There we can use uh, green hydrogen, for example, there is a number of assets which are going to be stranded gas networks. We can pump hydrogen into those. And for transport, if you look at, you know, fuel cell, you asked me about the buses versus electric. There are certain circumstances where electric is better than fuel cell, but there are right. others where fuel cell is better than electric. But we should remember that whether it's fuel cell or electric, it's better than diesel. And mm -hmm. that should be the focus uh, for, for hydrogen, not comparing itself to electric, but comparing itself to what we have today as part of the transition and getting that messaging right to get the social license to operate what we need to operate going forward.
Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you, Josh, for sharing uh, your uh, very insightful comments with the H2 Tech audience. Um, very much enjoyed the interview and very much enjoyed having you as a guest on the show. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And um, to the audience, if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to share and subscribe to the H2 Tech Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts or Blueberry.